Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights, conversations exploring network transformation through interviews with industry experts. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm joined by Ravi Pendakanti, Senior Vice President of Server Solutions Product Management and Marketing at Dell EMC. Welcome to the program, Ravi. Oh, great to be here, Allison. So, Ravi, um, this is an exciting uh, podcast because we're going to talk about some great joint innovation between Dell and Intel. But why don't we start um, with just your uh, introduction of your role at Dell EMC and how that relates to today's topic? Sure, Allison. So, uh, essentially, I look after all of uh, the product management and product marketing for uh, Dell EMC related to the server business. Uh, what that really means is anything related to product introductions, roadmap, feature functionality, you know, the go-to-market engine, anything and everything related to uh, how we get our servers uh, you know, to market is what uh, me and my team do, uh, working closely with engineering and partners like yourself, of course. Now, you guys just came out with some really great news um, for new deployments at the edge. And, you know, I think that this was one of those topics that just seems like it hits the the hot button of the industry right now with edge computing. Can you share a little bit about your view of the edge and how that translates into your product portfolio strategy? Absolutely. I mean, I think... uh... Any of us who probably reads any trade press today uh, or anything in the mainstream related to technology, I don't think uh, it would be a far-fetched uh, comment to say that uh, there is something that people talk about edge, uh, which is, you know, whether it's related to the autonomous vehicles, increasing security, deployment of 5G solutions, on and so forth. And the whole idea today is that, uh, you know, all our customers that we talk to want to ensure that they're able to collect and analyze data more rapidly and in more discrete points than ever in the past. And this has to do with uh, making sure that, you know, we can actually, you know, service the end user, if I may, uh, more rapidly. And this is why this uh, particular announcement that we are doing today is so exciting because it really caters to a, a, an area that is not only topical, but is becoming more business and sensitive uh, in almost every industry we talk to. Now, what makes um, edge infrastructure deployment distinct from what you've done for years in data center environments? And what does that mean for the underlying technology that's baked into these solutions? I think the way we look at this, Allison, is um, we used to be more data-centric in the past. I mean, it's probably good to, you know, if I really rewind, uh, let's say, you know, let's go back about three decades, and people typically were having a very data-centric environment, wherein you would have mainframes to which were attached the dumb terminals, then we went into a distributed environment with a client-server model or a multi-tier architecture. Then you go back, let's say, in the last uh, about a decade or so ago, we became more centralized with the advent of cloud. 
which is all good. But now we are at a phase where we're getting back into a distributed environment where we want to try and collect all data that's readily getting created and we want to analyze it, which means that we have to now pivot back into supporting a more distributed model. If you think about uh, an area such as IoT, um, it is said that, you know, if you look at the various industry pundits, there are folks who say that by 2025, we might have up to 30 billion uh, devices out there, uh, which are constantly collecting and, you know, there's obviously a need to analyze data as well. The problem is, I think this was a study that, uh, you know, we looked at uh, something that you folks at Intel had done, where it was said that about 98% of the data that's being created is never analyzed, which means that we are leaving lots of, uh, you know, critical decision-making uh, elements out there without really analyzing it. So if you fast forward to where we are today, and especially with the advent of things like IoT and 5G, it becomes more imperative that we actually look at building the right set of products that not only collect data, but more importantly, analyze it so we can make more uh, business-centric decisions in a timely fashion. Make sense, Alison? Now tell me, absolutely, and, and tell me about what you announced this week. Oh, yeah. We actually announced uh, a good set of products. You know, I'll be, you know, I'm very pleased to say that we introduced uh, the PowerEdge XC2420. Uh, this is a, a, what do I call as a high-performance server, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's got low latency. It is short-depth system. I say short-depth because uh, you can actually take this server and actually position it in areas that, uh, you could never get to. So if you're sitting in a remote location, uh, let's say you've got a 5G tower, you want to have a little server sitting there with all the power in it. So its physical attributes are such that you can actually put it in some of those more remote locations, but it really does pack a punch because it is based on the new uh, you know, uh, processor technology uh, that uh, we are happy to partner with you, which is the Intel second-generation uh, Xeon scalable processor. It has those uh, processes in it. It's got two of those. Uh, it also supports GPUs. The beauty of this, as we said, is that as more data is being created at the edge, you also want to be able to analyze it. So we are giving the best possible CPU and GPU power that our customers would require. And that's one. Uh, and now the second product that we're also very excited about is the fact that we have the uh, revamped uh, Refresh MA uh, Ruggedized PowerEdge XR2, which is our one new short depth server as well. And the beauty of this is, as, it, as I said, it's a ruggedized uh, server, uh, which has all kinds of shock and vibe, uh, vibration support, uh, you know, wherein it actually doesn't get into... Uh, you know, uh, uh, if it is put in locations where uh, there's lots of uh, uh, dust and humidity and stuff, it actually is being built for those ruggedized environments. Uh, and finally, of course, we also have the Dell EMC Modular Data Center, uh, Micro 415 as we call it, which has also been hardened and ruggedized to help our customers go ahead and uh, use this as an enclosure for um, you know, remote locations and maybe even in city centers wherein they want to try and collect all kinds of data for that matter. So we have a whole uh, suite of, uh, you know, uh, hardware products that we have come out with. 
And to augment this, uh, finally, Alison, we are also supporting uh, uh, our new open manage um, kind of a portfolio we have for systems management uh, with the new IDRAC uh, 9 data center product, which supports telemetry. So if you really think about it, uh, going back to uh, your question on, on why this is, as to why this is so exciting um, uh, for uh, various reasons we just talked about, uh, we now have a very powerful, well thought through set of products that do help our customers go ahead and uh, meet their specific needs a lot better than in the past. When you have shared this platform and these these solutions with customers, can you give us a sense of what types of industries are are looking to deploy solutions like this um, rapidly and, and where you see the early beachhead markets associated with the edge? Uh, the, I mean, obviously a lot of industries are interested, but if I had to pick up a few industries, uh, which are probably in the forefront, uh, typically are in the areas of telcos for sure, because this really goes very well with the 5G rollout, uh, that we are all, uh, going to witness, uh, uh, in the next, uh, year to two. So the telcos are obviously very excited about it. If we talk to the retail industry, again, that's another industry that's very excited about it uh, for the fact that uh, they obviously have to try and ensure that their supply chain is taken care of, that they're getting the right elements at the right location, uh, making sure that they're able to go ahead and uh, you know refresh the aisles quickly if the product is running out. I mean, there's a whole suite of stuff right from getting the products in a timely fashion to stocking up the right stuff in the right place, making sure that they have that competitive edge and they're able to take care of their customer needs. is another interesting area that I think uh, we see a lot of interest in. We also see interest uh, from uh, some of our customers in the oil and gas industry. Uh, this enables them, for example, to keep track of um, how the whole uh, product is moving through. How do they make sure that, for example, there are no leaks in the pipe, uh, that they're able to go back and keep an eye on some of the security elements. And finally, of course, how could I ever forget, uh, you know, not mentioning autonomous vehicles? I mean, for us, autonomous vehicles are a classic example of, you know, what I would call as uh, systems that are constantly collecting and analyzing data. And again, so if you look at the automotive industry, with the advent of autonomous vehicles, there's lots and lots of interest in some of these technologies and products from our companies today. Now, I know that this uh, new platform came with a lot of collaboration from Intel. Tell me about why uh, the engineering efforts between our organizations are so critical to driving innovation into the marketplace. Absolutely. I mean, there are a couple of things that I think we're really excited about. I mean, we're excited about uh, the opportunity in the market, uh, given the fact that our customers are really looking for uh, well-thought-out products and solutions. And uh, going back to how our teams have collaborated, if we think about it, the most important element, for example, could be how do you get higher performance? which essentially means as two companies were to sit down and look at what really drives that. And this is where you know we went and said, well, one of the things we could do is to actually put more cores into it. So just to give you the context, 
you know, there are about 33% additional cores in this particular platform as compared to its predecessor, which is cool, which essentially means that you have more juice to go ahead and get better performance. But if you do all this, you also want to make sure that you don't, uh, you have lower latency. And this is where, uh, you know, some of the things we have done in the product offering enables us to build products with lower latency. That's also in a way directly related to some of the cache. There's about 62% more memory cache in this compared to the prior version, along with, you know, the fact that we have got about 28% faster frequencies too. All this adds up to the fact that we are now able to offer our customers up to 33% faster performance on this new Intel Xeon Gold processor set. And of course, we do have a whole suite of products but just to give you a context of this, this would not have been possible without the close collaboration between both the engineering teams uh, to ensure that we actually have the right product with the right attributes to help go ahead and manage some of the customer expectations on us. Now, you've, you've talked about the value proposition of these new platforms, but I do have to ask, um, what is the complexity of deployment? And is this uh, deployment scenario um, more complex or equally complex with our, you know, the, the data center uh, products that we collaborate on today? I'm glad you asked, Allison. Frankly, it's a very simple process. Uh, it's simple enough that the customers can actually go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, use the new processor with minimal effort on their side. And beyond that, what we have done on the PowerEdge side is we actually have some predefined configuration settings for BIOS. So based on the workloads you're running with the pre-configured you know, uh, uh, settings, it makes it a lot more easier for our customers to deploy uh, new workloads or also to go ahead and help improve the performance of their existing workloads. Uh, it's a very short and simple process, and we are very pleased that we are making it as simple as it is today. Well, we thank you for the chance to collaborate here. I think it's such an exciting area for innovation, and I want to hear more about um, how the PowerEdge solutions are delivering that value in the market as we explore and the uh, growth of the edge. I'd love to have you back on the program sometime, Ravi, to share what you and the team are doing. Uh, in, in the meantime, where, where would you like to send folks for more information about uh, the solutions you've delivered today? Uh, we would love for our customers and partners to get to delltechnologies.com slash servers. Uh, that'll uh, be an awesome uh, way to get all the diff you know, details on our products and technologies and solutions. And uh, certainly, Allison, happy to talk further at any given time about everything else we're doing. So thanks for having me here. Thanks for being on the show. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm delighted to be joined back in studio with Charles Berlin. Vice President and General Manager of Telco at Lenovo. Welcome to the program, Charles. Thank you, Alison. Happy to be here. 
This is your third time on Chip, Chip Chat Network Insights. And the last two times we recorded at Mobile World Congress. So unfortunately, we're not able to do that this year, um, but we are uh, virtually together um, to talk about what's happening in the world of network in Lenovo. Um, why don't we just start with an introduction of your role at Lenovo and ha- how that fits into the topic today? Uh, indeed. Thank you, Alison. And indeed, it would have been nice to meet with uh, Tapas and uh, Cerveza somewhere in Barcelona. Uh, but the right thing to do is, is to talk here virtually uh, for the safety of everybody. Um, so, yes, my, my role inside, I joined Lenovo over a year and a half ago and with the mission to promote Lenovo and develop solutions and, and reference architecture and capacity guides that are relevant for the communication service provider. So as there are is a big shift from the communication service provider from using traditional locked-in appliances towards a NFV world, uh, Lenovo can provide a hardware and a software to manage that uh, virtualized infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a long history of collaboration in this space, and um, we've talked about you know, the, the unique needs of the comms industry for network infrastructure. Where do you see um, the progress of the market in terms of looking across core and edge networks and um, embracing the solutions that Lenovo and the industry are bringing to market? Okay, good question. The uh, No doubt that there's a migration towards a more virtualized environment started already in already in, in, in motion for the for the core network or the data center and exponentially increasingly the towards the edge where we see a lot more of these um, of these deployment now what is important when we're looking at at these deployment is that the, the they are a little bit more complex right it's true that the service provider need to look at different elements uh, have to handle multiple uh, CPU for example inside a system and how to load balance those environment have to work with third-party operating system have to work with uh, third-party VNF right so putting all of these together into a simple solution that is easy to deploy manage and and get the performance needed can somehow be uh, complicated and it requires a lot of resources for the service provider. So what we have done with Intel in order to accelerate the acceptance of these uh, architecture in the um, in the field, uh, we've worked closely with Intel and the rest of your ecosystem uh, along the Intel Select Solution uh, architecture, right? And we are quite happy and proud to be uh, working on three of them, actually, the one for the NFVI version two that we have just refreshed with your newest CPU. Uh, and when we use this, what we're actually doing is using your your your, your balanced I.O. for our um, recommendation. We're, look, we're working with your QAT acceleration card. We're doing DPDK optimization so that all of these best practices, all of these configuration is something that we do as part of your ISS or Intel Select Solution um, and, uh, architecture so that it's easy to consume. It's a, like a recipe for the service provider after that. I say, well, I, here's what I want to implement. Let me follow these recommended steps. I'm using Lenovo servers, and here are the exact parameters I need to configure and how to optimize them and so on. So, so it, it takes a lot of the complexity away from, 
from from the service provider. Uh, so the time to market is a lot easier. The resources needed is is, is far less, and and usually they're quite happy because the performance that we get out of this is even greater, right? Just to give you some perspective, uh, we just requalify with uh, a partner called Fortinet on, over using your NFVI version two. Uh, architect, ISS architecture, and we got 73% more throughput uh, over the same architecture, right? So this is something that is creating real value and benefit for the service provider. It's a simple recipe, step-by-step guide that helps them work for and deploy their NFV infrastructure, either in the data center or even at the, um, at the edge. That's fantastic. Now, what has the response been from customers on these configurations and you know, have have you seen any particular trends in the solutions that you're delivering in terms of what is really um, hitting the hot buttons of customers' interest in the market right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, when it doesn't work, we hear about our customer quite fast. When it does work, you know, sometimes it's more <laughs> silent response that we get. Now, I'll take as a as a compliment or as an achievement, the fact that they are talking a lot faster and a lot more about the VNS, the applications running on top of it, than having to discuss about the infrastructure deployment. And I think this is exactly the purpose. When we're putting out an architecture for uh, the media analytics, for example, that how to do live, uh, live machine learning or AI on the fly, really, these best practices are simply there to enable these service provider to actually talk less about managing and how to deploy the infrastructure and more about how to create new services, um, live ad insertion using machine learning to, to guide the, uh, the ad insertion or uh, AI to guide that uh, relevancy of the content there is, is where we want them to be able to have the more time to discuss and generate more revenue. Uh, so I think that in that perspective, it's rare that, Alison, that we get a thank you, this is exactly what I needed, and, 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 we, and uh, congratulations. But we do know that our customers are using these ISS environments to, to set the base and focus on more rapidly and more efficiently on the application running on top of it. Now, I know that we wanted to talk about what those applications are and also just in terms of how VNFs are being managed and, and applications are being managed uh, within these environments. And I know that Lenovo made some announcements about what you're bringing to the table in this space. Can you share that? Sure, I can talk about Lenovo Open Cloud Automation, or LOCA. Uh, It's a new product that we are releasing supporting Red Hat and VMware, uh, Red Hat OpenStack and OpenShift, as well as VMware uh, VCF. Um, Basically, one of the things that we learned throughout these engagements is that certainly we have a right NFV infrastructure that is optimized using DPDK or QAT and all of this with the VNF, but the time customers spend deploying the infrastructure is still phenomenal. It's way too long. And what I mean by this is that it starts from unpacking the equipment. They receive bunches of, of boxes at, at their data center or at their edge location. Someone needs to unpack this, rack and stack this into place, do all the physical connectivity, then usually up the next step is to update the, the firmware or the, the BIOS of the system, updating the driver of the uh, motherboard and all of these 
physical task that needs to happen. Finally, somebody will come and use our ISS architecture to deploy the NFV uh, environment uh, using using Red Hat or, or or others. And then after that, the, the the networking team comes along and the storage team and so on and so on. So all of these tasks, while each team uses automation tool, all of these tasks are still executed sequentially and manually one after the other. Once the servers are stacked in the rack, then, then the firmware are updated. And when they're, all the firmware are updated, then the operating system is deployed and so on. So Lenovo Open Cloud is really an end-to-end automation platform uh, that really allows you to treat your infrastructure as a code. So you define through a series of code profiles, say this is an edge deployment using container and this is a data center deployment hosting a private cloud. And what happens next is that when we receive the order in factory, our supply chain bundles all of these rack or half rack or single servers to the profile that you have uh, requested and we ship this to your destination. That could be the enterprise premise, the central office premise, that could be a data center. Uh, and Lenovo Open Cloud at that point picks up uh, the task of automating the entire end-to-end deployment. So we'll start by updating the physical hardware. We'll continue by orchestrating the deployment of the operating system, of the virtualization layer, and then we'll take the networking parameters that are required to have that system operational and go and configure the networking uh, devices and do the same thing and configure the storage devices. So that within a few minutes or a few hours, uh, what arrived on site is automatically connected to the, or you connect, and once you connect it to the electricity and the network, basically Lenovo Open Cloud takes control and orchestrate all of those tasks that were manually and sequentially executed so that you have a lot, a system that is a, more, a lot more efficient to deploy and you have your application that are ready to be consumed a lot sooner. That's awesome. And that just speaks, um, incredibly well to the long investment that we've made as an industry in delivering um, virtualized and and cloud-native environments for networks. Um, How has the customer response been to the open cloud automation thus far? Okay, so so it's pretty good, pretty positive. We are just launching this, and already we have a customer with uh, T-Systems around the world that have selected Lenovo hardware and also Lenovo uh, Open Cloud Automation, LOCA, to uh, orchestrate the end-to-end deployment or automation of their infrastructure. What they're keen in receiving is a really a uh, infrastructure as a code where they don't have to worry about configuring piece of equipment they define their, their profile or their objectives in, into LOCA, Lenovo Open Cloud Automation. And basically, we go and execute all of these tasks on different part of the software, different part of the hardware, so that their data center or eventually even their edge infrastructure is, is configured as, as they need it. Uh, so the response has been pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and, 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 and the return on investment has been uh, quite a success for them. Fantastic. Now, one final question for you, and I appreciate the time that you spent to walk through that. Um, where can people find out more information about the solutions that you talked about, um, and then also about the open cloud automation um, that you're offering to your customers? Okay, by visiting our, our website, so lenovo.com slash COSP for communication service provider. So lenovo.com slash COSP. 
Well, thanks so much for being on the program today, Charles. It's always a pleasure, and we'd love to have you back soon. My pleasure. Thank you, Alison, and I'll be happy to come back and give you another update. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two guests, Brian Lappin, Head of Product Management for Telco at BT, and Matt Olson, Global Telecom Media and Technology Strategist at Splunk. Welcome to the program, guys. Hi. Uh, thank you. Why don't we start with you, Brian? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, your role at BT, and how it fits into the topic today of the evolution of UCPE, Edge, and Analytics. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a product manager within BT, and I cover off our UCP product within our uh, wider networking portfolio. Uh, and you know, we see UCP as being uh, very important and growing importance in terms of uh, what our customers are requiring. So, from our customer perspective, they have a lot of choice in terms of the technology and vendor choices for enabling their business. And what we find is that the, that the UCP uh, allows them to uh, have a flexible way of deploying services uh, and, and an agile way of deploying services as well, so have the flexibility and the speed to deploy services quickly. So we're seeing our customers be very interested in this, and uh, we have been working with Intel on a number of projects around this, so it's really exciting to be here today. Now, Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and Splunk's role in the, the telco space? Uh, certainly. So I am a strategist for communications and media uh, within Splunk. So uh, my mission really is to connect the power of Splunk and data analytics to the needs of communication service providers. And uh, actually, uh, coming out of... Uh, Oh, a few decades uh, working in uh, in telecom, primarily focused on application of data science and data analytics uh, to service assurance and a variety of other uh, use cases. And uh, for several years, have been really focused on uh, application of uh, analytics to uh, SDN NFE stacks and an uh, edge compute. Um, it's a, an area where I think there's a tremendous amount of complexity uh, and uh, also obviously a tremendous amount of opportunity for uh, flexibility and efficiency and new service offerings. And uh, I think because of this uh, complexity and the demands of new services and capabilities, uh, really uh, data analytics is is sort of at the core, connecting uh, everything and adding intelligence uh, as well as uh, resilience and security to the uh, to the service offerings that's fantastic um, I'm going to go to Brian next to just talk about you know the, the fact that we've we've had customer presence equipment for a long time but what is so interesting about um, UCPE in specific in terms of delivering a different type of value proposition and a different type of opportunity for service deployment uh, for customers? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it is quite an exciting time for UCP. As you mentioned, you know, we've had customer premise equipment for, you know, a number of years and we will continue to have customer premise equipment. I think the UCP comes down to, you know, has a number of value propositions for our customers and it also has some benefits for service providers as well. I think if you take it from a customer perspective, as I mentioned at the top of the uh, discussion, customers are faced with a number of uh, technology choices just now in the market in terms of how they address business challenges and business opportunities, which is great for the customers, but it also means that they, in terms of their deployment, uh, they're looking for some flexibility in terms of how they can deploy that. So, you know, do they want to be locked into one technology for, you know, for a long time or do they want the flexibility to be able to deploy a service on top of a universal hardware and be able to then swap it at a later date? And I think when I talk to our customers, that's something they really uh, they look to value. I think the next next thing is around agility. So, you know, do they have to deploy hardware at all times if they want to uh, introduce a new service? Well, in the cloud environment, they don't have to do that. So when you look at the edge and their premise, you know, they want to have that same uh, capability as well. And I think, so that's what we see from our customers. I think, you know, as Matt mentioned, some of the edge compute stuff that is happening now as well uh, and the expansion of edge compute and the opportunities around edge compute with IoT and uh, Industry 4.0, etc. cetera, uh, expand that requirement for customers. So it makes that... Uh, ability to deliver flexibility and choice and agility even more important as the edge compute and the edge develops as something that customers want to look at. So I think that's that's really from a customer perspective. I think from a service provider perspective, it gives us an opportunity to offer that flexibility to our customers uh, and be able to do it on a consolidated or a standard platform that we can offer multiple services on. So that gives us a benefit in terms of uh, being able to standardize and uh, develop our reach and our capability, which then in turn we can pass on to our customers in terms of greater efficiency uh, and effectiveness. Now, Matt, um, at Intel, we talk a lot about how the edge is so critical at bringing um, insights closer to the point of data creation or um, um, you know, data service delivery. How does Splunk view that, and, and what are you delivering um, to extract that value? Oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, really the, the key driver is uh, the, the need to execute uh, with exceedingly low latency. And uh, you know, to Brian's point, uh, the, really the growth in uh, applications now, especially with, with the advent of, of 5G and IoT, uh, there are uh, increasing demands from uh, low latency applications at at the edge, and I, I think the uh, the key really is well twofold. Uh, the first is uh, being able to uh, to drive uh, ultimately automation based on analytics uh, with very very low latency uh, operating efficiently at the edge, uh, and the second aspect is the ability to rapidly and seamlessly integrate data uh, up and down the protocol stack uh, from the various elements involved in offering a, a service. Because in a, in a virtualized uh, edge compute scenario, of course, you have uh, VNFs that are interacting, providing services, but those VNFs are then uh, operating within a, uh, a VNFI uh, 
architecture, which in turn is dependent upon uh, SDN networking. And so there are, there are multiple layers, multiple components, multiple data streams, uh, all uh, flowing in uh, in real time. And so really the, the key is the ability to integrate and act upon these data streams in a near real-time fashion. And that time to execution, I think, is, is absolutely key. Now, obviously, the, the, the opportunity statement is very clear. Brian, Matt, how are our companies working together to deliver on that opportunity statement? And how does that fit into what's happening in the broader um, marketplace? Brian, do you want to go first on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, as Matt said, there's, there's a number of opportunities and challenges. I don't think one uh, company or one group uh, has the ability to, you know, to resolve all those opportunities. So, for example, uh, we've been doing some work with yourselves and Intel to look at uh, you know, things like around secure device onboarding or zero-touch provisioning. So when you, t- when you think about the edge, it's not in a data center, it's not in the cloud, it's distributed. So how do you manage deployment and distribution of services across something that will be uh, geographically dispersed and could be global? Uh, so how do we address that? How do we make sure that we can deliver services effectively and efficiently and you know, in doing some work with uh, Intel and with a wider in- uh, ecosystem of partners to try and resolve some of those issues and make that uh, more efficient? And I think that's you know that's a key thing that it's not just one partner. So, you know, we have Intel in terms of secure attestation down to the chip. Uh, we have partners like Dell who have global distribution and hardware capabilities. I think that all comes together, you know, with a service provider like BT who can provide that at a global scale. So I think those are some key points uh, in terms of addressing some of those challenges. I think as Matt mentioned as well, when you're running a, a distributed service at the edge with multiple services, how do you uh, capture that data and make that data in a way that can assure and manage the service uh, at a global basis on scale uh, with a distributed infrastructure. So I think you know I think the the concept of someone trying to solve it on their own is probably not correct. I think it is an ecosystem of partners and need to see both the opportunity for our collective customers and some of the challenges and look to address those challenges. And I think you know from my perspective, I'm very excited that we can we can develop things and develop ecosystems to address those challenges. And we are willing to collaborate in different areas to address those challenges for our collective customers. So I think that's a really, you know, it's a really positive step around UCP. And Matt, do you want to add any comments? Oh, yeah. I would just uh, emphatically uh, echo uh, Brian's comments regarding the, the importance of establishing uh, partnerships and, and really an ecosystem of, of partners because these are, are highly complex environments and involve a lot of moving parts and being able to, to work together with an ecosystem of partners uh, in a collaborative fashion, developing solutions and, and developing frameworks and standards is, I, I think, absolutely key. And probably the most important element in, in those partnerships is inclusion of service providers who are directly connected to the needs and demands of customers. And uh, to Brian's point, also uh, really understand and appreciate the difficulty of uh, providing these services at scale uh, in geographically distributed uh, 
you know, massively scaled at environments because, of course, uh, it's one thing to uh, to build and prove something in a lab. It's it's quite another to then deploy in production at scale, meeting the availability and service quality and security needs of, of the customers. And I, I think Brian also touched on another really, really key point, which is it's not just about the uh, execution on analytics at the, at the edge in a, in a localized fashion. It's also critically important to be able to connect the dots across uh, service chains that might involve multiple VNFs, uh, WAN uh, interconnects, SDN, uh, multiple com- uh, components and end-to-end paths. So also being able to, to drive analytics, insights, and action uh, with uh, end-to-end awareness, service chain awareness, which is a, a complex uh, a task involving, again, uh, high volumes, high velocity, and variety of, of data uh, from, from the various elements. Now, Brian, you would um, have a good pulse on where we are with customer deployments of UCP solutions and where you think we are in terms of, um, you know, this early market entry or are we hitting a main uh, stream market opportunity? And and I would like your thoughts on, you know, to um, Matt's earlier points on, on needs for common frameworks and standards. If there's anything that the technology industry needs to do to address any gaps um, to push this market opportunity further. So uh, t- taking the first point, uh, Alison, I-, I think we're still at the earlier stages of uh, deployment of the UCP. I think the market started very much around uh, virtual network functions, so taking functions that are network-based at the edge, like uh, routing, SD1, security, and, and virtualizing those at the edge. I think that's still a market that's that's evolving. Uh, I think I'm seeing other things in the market as well around SD-WAN deployments, which are driving uh, a lot of interest as SD-WAN really starts to take hold. Uh, I I think the probably the opportunity where we will continue to see increased growth and increased focus in this area it is around the the edge and the expansion of the edge and the the you know what you referenced earlier on is you know a lot of data is created and needs to be used at the edge. I think that's really going to drive. Uh, a lot of uptake and development in that area. So I think it's early stages just now, but I can see, you know, I can see a rapid uptake of this uh, driven by those factors. I think in terms of of standards, you know, I think it it is important that we, you know, we work across standards in in terms of both how functions operate as a virtual capability uh, and also how the different parts of an ecosystem from, you know, from yourselves and chip through to you know hardware, through to uh, you know the virtual services at the top of it, through to things like that Splunk can provide as well, uh, do come together in you know in a sort of standards uh, capability. And indeed, a, a lot of some uh, some of the work that we're doing with Intel is around things like TMF Forum, uh, around catalyst opportunities to you know to v- develop prototypes and capabilities that we can we can build as a standard ecosystem approach to a particular problem. So I think I think that is very important. I think and it goes back to you know what Matt and I both said is it's not one organization or one group that's going to solve some of the challenges and really exploit the opportunities here. It's going to be a you know a combination of uh, you know participants in the ecosystem that come together to solve this this problem for our common common customers. 
And then, uh, Matt, you know, as I was listening to Brian talking, one thing that also came to mind in terms of ensuring that we address this as an industry is making um, the insights um, from these edge deployments, and especially because they're distributed, easy to manage and and easy to consume data. What is Splunk doing um, from a standpoint of the solutions that you're delivering in this space to ensure that as we ramp deployments, that that ramp can be managed um, holistically? Yeah, so the the first thing is that is sort of intrinsic to Splunk as a as a platform. Uh, we're a, a schema uh, a schema on read uh, architecture, so we're we're basically uh, capable of ingesting the data as it exists uh, and uh, and accommodate uh, variation and and changes in in the data streams, which I, I think is uh, is really quite critical because there are. Uh, multiple uh, the data sources, and they're continually evolving in in the structure and, uh, and to some degree the semantic content of the data. And uh, so the the first thing is uh, simply remaining flexible and agile on uh, the ability to uh, to ingest the relevant data. And both in terms of the the transport mechanisms, the data acquisition mechanisms, but then also the uh, the syntactic uh, analysis of the data. The, the second thing is uh, ensuring that we can operate at, at scale in a, in a distributed fashion and, uh, and operate on uh, data in, in motion. So uh, really embracing a concept of distributed analytics uh, without requiring uh, centralized processing and uh, and then also uh, the uh, analysis and and uh, ultimately automation on the basis of uh, of data uh, in motion. And and finally, uh, we are also focused on the uh, development of uh, automation uh, workflows because, of course, uh, it's it's one thing to, uh, to provide access to to data and insights from data. Uh, for for humans, but uh, ultimately, what we really want to focus on is the creation of closed loop uh, systems, which are capable of employing uh, analytics and uh, machine learning predictive and prescriptive capabilities. Uh, then uh, coupled with automated execution, because of course that's one of the uh, really tremendously transformative. Uh, aspects of the uh, the SCN NFE environment is the ability to execute uh, orchestration changes on on the fly uh, via API on the basis of uh, of the analytics. Really, the the key is ultimately bringing together uh, closed-loop capabilities working uh, in in partnership with with the uh, service providers and uh, and vendors in the space. So that we're uh, uh, really can create tightly coupled systems. Well, Intel is obviously investing a lot in this space in terms of providing platform foundations for UCPE. We we appreciate both of your times uh, in sharing your unique insights into this arena. It's it's fascinating um, to see the growth of edge services and what they offer in terms of unique uh, capability for enterprises. Uh, appreciate both of your time today. One final question for both of you, and we'll start with Brian. Where can folks 
go to find more information about the services that BT is offering in this space and connect more with your team. So, I mean, I think the the best place to go just for brevity would be bt.com forward slash D-Y-N-S. That would be the the best place, and that points you out to different locations as well where you can get more information. Fantastic. And I'd turn it over to you, Matt. Uh, So, uh, we actually have a uh, solution brief uh, with... uh, a, uh, an architecture reference architecture uh, posted to uh, the Intel uh, Builders site. Uh, also, I would invite uh, folks to uh, reach out to us on, uh, on LinkedIn, where uh, we maintain a uh, Splunkin telecommunications uh, group. And, uh, of course, always uh, www.splunk.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the program today. It was a real pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm delighted to be joined by colleague Alex Quatch, Vice President and General Manager of Wireline and Core Network Division at Intel. Welcome back to the program, Alex. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, we've got a lot of topics to cover, and obviously um, this interview is being um, delivered in, in the halo of having had um, our most critical event for the, for network, um, unfortunately, canceled. So um, we're not in Barcelona delivering this interview. We're we're in our cubes in our in our home uh, locations, um, but still a tremendous amount of progress for the industry to to unpack. Um, before we get started, why don't you just give the audience an update about your role within our network division at Intel and how it fits into our larger strategy for delivery of 5G network infrastructure? Sure. Uh, my role within the, um, the networking uh, platforms group inside of Intel is, uh, is really about ensuring that um, Intel can deliver the best uh, platform solutions uh, for the 5G wireless core. So we've been at this uh, journey to virtualize uh, the wireless core network starting in 2013 or so with uh, the 4G networks, and uh, we've made a tremendous amount of progress. And um, so my job essentially is to ensure that we can uh, work with our customers and our customers' customers to um, have their 4G solutions and 5G solutions um, in the wireless core uh, run best on on Intel. Uh, And I'm also responsible for wireline solutions in the um, residential um, broadband um, gateways, uh, as well as uh, cable solutions, as those industries are also um, at the at the beginning of the journey um, th- through their network transformation to adopt communications uh, server technologies to run their workloads. Alex, you you talked about something really important in terms of that wireless core and, and the transition from four G to five G. What does that represent? in terms of the underlying requirements uh, for the core infrastructure 
and what kind of data rates it needs to support? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, what's really exciting, you know, as we come into uh, Mobile World Congress or the Mobile World Congress, it didn't happen, but as we get into 2020, um, if you look at the wireless core, um, there is a most recent uh, Deloro report, uh, third-party analyst Deloro, uh, who tracks this uh, particular market segment. Um, they're showing uh, what we're seeing and what we've seen now with our solution partners in the marketplace, which is the continued extremely rapid ramp of network function virtualization um, in the wireless core. Uh, that momentum um, continues at a very fast rate. Deloro is citing over 50% of the deployments in the wireless core now are NFV-based in 2020. And that's moving to over 80% of deployments by 2024, well over 80%. And that's really exciting because, you know, Intel led the way with with NFV. And most of this um, NFV technology deployed in the core using communication uh, server-based technology are actually based on Intel's uh, scalable Xeon processors. You know, coming into um, into 2020, uh, we've been showing generation on generation improvements. Uh, last year, we showed um, a demonstration in Barcelona um, of a server with uh, two Intel Xeon scalable processors reaching uh, 200 gigabits per second. Uh, and uh, this year, uh, we were very excited to show a, a demonstration. Now we've transformed that, that demonstration into a solution brief that we're making available uh, to everybody um, with our partners, Astri and Supermicro, uh, where we had um, a demonstration um, using Intel Xeon scalable processors and commercially available parts uh, from our partners. Um, that was in a, in a very, very dense uh, server form factor that actually was able to achieve over a terabit per second uh, speeds uh, for the 5G core. That's incredible. Um, and and it, what an incredible step function increase from a year ago. Um, what was the technology that drove that transition? And how did the team work together uh, to assemble the solution? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, like you said, Allison, it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, if you think about the journey that, that we've been on, I think, you know, not, not too far back, back in 2015, um, we were able to, to achieve only single digit gigabit per second speeds on, on Intel um, communication server platforms. So I think we're at some, somewhere between four and five gigabits per second back in 2015. And now, just five short years later, we're actually showing over a terabit uh, per second. So that's really, you know, that's pretty incredible. And the speeds that we're able to achieve, even with 200 gigabits per second last year, and certainly now in in over a terabit per second, these speeds are actually ahead of where the industry is actually utilizing um, and requiring uh, today. So they they represent um, a fair amount of headroom for growth. Um, as the industry transitions from 4G to 5G and in, in anticipation of um, the 5G speeds that are coming from increased uh, throughput, you know, more devices, different use cases, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how we're able to put this together? Um, really, you know, Intel has um, 
really developed a lot of expertise over the years now um, in this um, communication space, in this networking space, where we're able to uh, translate a lot of our knowledge um, and share this knowledge with our partners uh, to improve, continuously improve packet processing uh, performances on, on Intel-based communication servers. So, for example, last year, after we showcased the 200 gigabits uh, per server uh, with Astri um, in, in Barcelona, you know, a few months later, I think it was in the June timeframe, um, Ericsson, who's one of the leading uh, solution providers for the wireless core, actually announced um, that they were able to achieve 193 gigabits per second on, on Intel uh, Xeon scalable processors. And, um, and now uh, another leading um, telecom equipment provider, uh, ZTE, out of China, um, also is implementing um, some of the best-known methods um, that we've actually had in-house at a platform level that we've, we've uh, worked with them on and shown and is showing similar performances as Ericsson right around 200 gigabits per second um, in their um, uh, 5G core solutions running on, on Intel processors. Uh, so just having the knowledge, uh, partnering with um, our fellow travelers, uh, such as Astri, such as um, Supermicro for this particular terabit demo, which we'll cover in a little bit more depth, um, and then translating and, and extending um, the, what's possible um, on communication server technology with Intel Xeon processors to real major solution providers out there um, is, is really been you know, our, our way of operating and, and getting these technologies adopted by uh, the industry. When you spoke earlier, you mentioned density. And um, can you unpack a little bit about why density is important in this type of solution? Sure. You know, in the 4G space, um, really we were talking about handsets, uh, major applications of 4G. As you know, many, many of our uh, teams today, you know, stare at the phones and it's a lot about video and, and coming back into the core network. As we move into 5G, there's a promise of very different use cases uh, emerging. And 5G, with the amount of um, speed in the wireless space uh, that this new technology is, can achieve with new spectrum, means that we're expecting um, higher uh, amounts of data to come in. And then a lot of this data and higher amounts of data uh, means that they're going to clog up the network. And so we're gonna, you're going to see the industry start moving a lot of processing towards the edge of the network that's closer to the devices so that the data can actually be uh, analyzed, processed, and dispositioned and responded to at the edge of the network as opposed to coming through thousands of miles back to the central data center. Um, and so with this um, edge computing uh, phenomenon, one of the absolute fundamental requirements um, is for these edge computing platforms is actually to have an application like the wireless core. So you think of the wireless core sitting in a telco data center today, parts of that core, the, specifically the user plane, is actually going to be decoupled from the central locations, central core locations, massive locations. The user plane is actually going to be moved towards the edge of the network and what we call distributed towards the edge and placed at the edge of the network so that the, that, um, 
these uh, edge computing platforms can decide whether or not and where to route the packets of data that are coming in. They can be analyzed, um, you know, at the edge, or they can be rerouted towards different areas of the, of the network. And that requires the user plane of the wireless core to be located at the edge, which means um, that when you move from central locations where you have massive data centers um, operating in the core network today, now you're moving towards um, major sort of um, metro regional uh, pop areas that actually have um, the space. But then you also have other areas um, that where the edge computing is going to take place, where you actually need this user pain function. And I'll call that the 5G UPF as part of the 5G uh, core that will be in more um, space constrained environments. And so um, if you have, um, you know, uh, a room as opposed to, or a small room as opposed to a very, very large data center to host an edge computing uh, solution, like a rack of servers, you're going to want to have as dense as possible um, a solution for this UPF so that you have um, space um, in, um, in your uh, edge to run other servers for other applications, such as um, services that 5G brings. So having a very, uh, a very compact form factor that can process a tremendous amount of data moved towards the edge was really the impetus behind us putting together this demonstration because ultimately, um, over the years, we will see in some way, shape, or form the industry uh, require this type of solution. It won't be uniform. It won't be the unique the solution that blankets all of the edge computing solutions, but there, there will be customers that will require compact, very dense, very high-performance solutions out at the edge uh, to, to help with um, process the, the 5G core and, and UPF information. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, you mentioned Austria and, and Supermicro, who are two leading industry players that we collaborated on this particular solution. But engaging with the entire ecosystem is so critical in delivery of the vision that you're painting from core to edge. Um, how does Intel approach working with technology partners in the broader um, ecosystem to deliver upon uh, 5G network infrastructure and our vision for 5G? And how does uh, the, the announcements that we made this week associated with our product portfolio and our collaborations fit in with that broader engagement with the ecosystem? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, well, you know, Intel is, a, is an ingredient supplier. Um, we provide key building block technologies to go into these 5G infrastructure solutions that are ultimately delivered by our technology partners and our solution partners. Um, you know, the, the big, the big um, equipment providers, as I mentioned earlier, um, Ericsson, uh, Nokia, uh, ZTE, all have solutions based on, in the wireless core, all have solutions based on, on Intel uh, Xeon platforms. And um, what we do, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is um, we look at how to optimize generation on generation, platform level um, uh, solutions based on um, Intel processors, based on Intel networking uh, interface cards, such as the, uh, the Intel, Intel Ethernet 8000 series um, uh, cards, where we actually can maximize um, overall system performance um, based on, on these technologies. 
And we develop reference architectures, reference designs that we can provide to our technology partners in addition um, to helping them optimize their solutions on, on Intel platforms. Um, and so we work very closely with these uh, solution providers. We help them optimize, we provide them reference uh, architectures, and then they in turn uh, deploy their solutions in the 5G service provider uh, environments. Um, another way we, uh, we work with our technology partners is uh, we all get together as we look at uh, driving further adoption of NFV, moving into the cloud-native environment. Um, we drive open standards, uh, and then Intel provides uh, not only helps drive standards, but also provides a tremendous amount of um, knowledge and IP and code into the open source environment and open source initi initiatives such as uh, DPDK, um, FDIO, um, so that our fellow travelers um, can actually take uh, pieces of that code and then download that code and integrate it into their solutions um, for optimal performance. Uh, this is true for uh, the major solution providers out there, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier in the wireless core. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex. This has been a great interview. One final question for you. Um, where can folks find out more about the solution you talked about today and the other things that you and your team are delivering with the ecosystem to fuel wireline and core network delivery? You know, a very straightforward uh, place would be just the uh, to, at, at the Intel website, um, Allison, at www.intel.com. And if you go into networking, there's going to be a wealth of um, uh, portfolio information as well as solution briefs um, that um, you can browse through and spend a lot of time on. Fantastic. Thanks for your time today. It was a real pleasure. Great. Thank you, Allison. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today, I am in the studio with Jenny Panhorst, Vice President and General Manager of the Network and Edge Platform Division at Intel. Welcome to the program, Jenny. Thanks, Allison. Great to be here. Fun fact, Jenny, the last time you were on this show, it was 2014, so it's been a while. Oh, and my I goodness. Thought it might be a good, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be a good idea for you to reintroduce yourself to the audience and talk about your role at Intel. Well, first of all, I think it's been too long. I didn't realize it was quite that long, so I guess we'll have to find some additional opportunities. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot that's changed over that period of time. Um, just been really busy uh, helping grow the network business and, and really answer uh, customers' pleas and, and questions and needs in transforming network infrastructure. So it's it's been super exciting. Uh, my role right now is I have responsibility for all products and platforms for network infrastructure and network edge infrastructure uh, within the network platforms group at Intel. Um, so it's a great opportunity to partner deeply with customers to understand um, what what they need in order to define the network of tomorrow. And we focus on uh, driving those product definitions, executing them, and delivering them to our customers and our partners in order to deliver that infrastructure. So it's super exciting. 
Well, this is a great day to talk to you because this week, um, Intel launched the Intel Atom P5900, our newest entrant into Intel's portfolio for network infrastructure. And um, our first um, Intel architecture uh, product for the base station market. Tell me why we focused here and how this fits in uh, with our broader strategy for network infrastructure delivery. Well, you know, 2020 is really the year of 5G. It's something we've been hearing about for a long time, but this is when 5G is really going to launch and ramp in earnest all around the world. And I think the first place that people go to when they think about 5G is the radio interface and how mobile users are going to access the network. And that's really where this product line comes into play. It's really about tooling that radio access network with high-performance processors, high-performance systems in order to do that translation of that radio traffic into packet traffic and transmit that through the network. And the base station is really that first hop. It's really the first place we go uh, when our phones uh, connect to the network. And historically, uh, these are these are nodes in the network that haven't been addressed with Intel-based products. And, and we're tremendously excited uh, to launch the Intel Atom P5900 uh, because this gives us an opportunity to, again, just really address customers' needs for high-performance um, packet processing and, and base station workloads um, and, and really couple it with other offerings across the Intel portfolio, um, including uh, you know, some of our FPGA products, some of our connectivity products, and, and really provide um, end-to-end solutions for our customers across the network. When you um, look at how this product um, has been um, launched, it does beg the question, how does it fit in with Xeon D? Um, They're both uh, SOCs. And uh, why do we have both? Yeah, you know, what's what's interesting is that as you look across the breadth of network infrastructure from end to end, all the way from, you know, cloud and enterprise data centers that have, you know, high performance network infrastructure into uh, core network infrastructure that is owned by uh, telecom operators into the edge and the access network and also uh, networking required for on-prem um, edge deployments. Every, every single one of them is different in some way, right? In terms of the environmental constraints, um, you know, it could be a, a form factor difference. It could uh, manifest itself in differences in terms of power requirements, performance requirements, economic requirements. And so really diversity is the name of the game. We need to be able to address all of those different design points and address a wide variety of workloads, not just networking workloads, uh, but also increasingly additional applications and services that are being deployed at these locations especially as edge computing starts to accelerate. And so when you look at the, the Atom P5900 SOC by comparison to Xeon D, there's you know, a couple different things to look at. When you look at specifically what we partnered with customers to define in the Atom P5900, it, it required a focus on not just uh, performance per watt and performance per dollar efficient processing on, on the Atom cores, but also specialized acceleration to deal with the uniqueness of those workloads that, that are being processed in the base station. So for example, load balancing and packet distribution technology is really important. And so we have specialized technology that we call dynamic load balancer that's integrated into the Atom P5900 SOC. We also need significant 
significant connectivity uh, in that in that product. And so we have up to 100 gigs of connectivity. We have integrated switching capabilities. And so it's really tailored to the needs of, of specifically uh, what a telecom equipment manufacturer is uh, needs to design into a base station. When you compare that with a product that's in uh, the, the Xeon D family of SOCs, those are really products that focus on um, higher per core performance, higher single threaded performance, um, and also uh, workloads that can take advantage of some of our um, our advanced vector extension technology. So um, there you see examples like network control plane workloads really benefit from high single threaded performance, um, and and media transcode and and other uh, media heavy workloads can take advantage of those Intel AVX instructions. Uh, just as a couple examples, and so it really is a about driving um, that that deep understanding of that workload diversity as well as the um, location uh, diversity that's present across all those different network and edge locations. And, and you know, you didn't mention uh, the Xeon scalable product line, but the same is true there as well in terms of the amount of, of diversity that's required in order to address those varying needs. Now, you talked about the, the platform foundation that we're creating um, for the network, but obviously we're making additional investments up the stack and in um, capabilities to deliver solutions in market. Can you talk about that? Yeah, what, what's super exciting about, um, you know, the transformation that's been happening in the network over the course of, of really the past decade is the fact that we've had an opportunity to re-architect network infrastructure away from purpose-built equipment to standard um, high-volume uh, server-based uh, infrastructure and, and really um, use a lot of the virtues of, of cloud-based technologies and business models in order to deliver networking services. And so what this means is that it's an it's an advent and a prevalence of um, general purpose computing technology that now exists throughout the infrastructure. And so this provides an opportunity to, in addition to virtualizing and creating a cloud-based foundation for network functions, also provide a platform for innovation for an increase in edge computing. But to be able to do that, we have to be able to provide a platform for developers to access those capabilities. And so in addition to providing high-performance networking, we're focusing on a number of investments in order to to make it easier for developers to gain insights and access into the underlying network infrastructure so that they can really differentiate the, the types of services that they're able to offer through their applications by, by being able to provide more control over that, that underlying infrastructure as well. Um, and then also providing lifecycle management uh, for those, those edge services and applications. And so um, one, of the, one of the ways in which we're doing that is a new project that we launched last year called Openness, which is the Open Network Edge Service Software. We've had already um, more than three releases of the software, and it's really the easy button for developers at the edge. That's that's the best way to you know kind of think about it. Um, but that that's really paired up with a number of other assets across Intel's portfolio um, in in that um, realm of edge computing uh, capabilities like um, OpenVINO and Open Visual Cloud, and and you know that that service uh, different types of workloads like edge inferencing and and media acceleration and media delivery. And you know what we find for a lot of these. Very 
very rich um, edge computing use cases, they very often need to take advantage of a of, of wide breadth of these capabilities. And so what we want to do is find a way to pull together multiple different um, technologies and developer capabilities into an easier-to-use package for developers to accelerate their, their development timelines and, and really accelerate time to market and, and time to money for those value-added services. And so one of those mechanisms that we have um, is something that we call SARA or the Converged Edge Reference Architecture Platform, which really pulls together those different elements, things like OpenNest and OpenVINO, and make it easier for developers to access those and accelerate their, their development. So it's, it's super important that we um, continue to, as you said, focus moving up the stack and, and making it easier to ensure that developers have what they need in that underlying infrastructure and then deliver those next generation uh, value-added services. And when you look at what we're delivering, obviously, we've gotten great industry traction with openness, with Sarah. How is that playing out in terms of engagement with the comm service providers? And where do you see, excuse me, see traction in this space? Yeah, it's, you know, it's partnerships with the comp service providers, it's it's partnerships with cloud service providers, um, and it's also partnerships with the enterprises directly. Um, you know, as, as we continue to transform network infrastructure and, and look at those, those locations as a platform for innovation for the edge, really that depth of knowledge of those, those use cases that are going to be prevalent now and into the future is really key to understanding those horizontal platform capabilities that we need to develop and deliver to the market. And so we're really partnering across the entire value chain with those different classes of customers and end users and all of the partners that are required um, in order to deliver those complete solutions. Um, and, you know, I think we've had a, a couple really um, exciting, um, you know, kind of early uh, signs of proof of, of some of these really interesting next generation use cases. Um, I, I'll just I'll just talk about uh, one of those that I, that I find particularly interesting, and and that is the connected vehicle. Um, we we partnered with um, Tencent and Nokia and a few other companies across the industry to recently uh, publish a blueprint um, within the Ukraine Edge Stack community. And it provides a, a means for um, improving overall connectivity and services for connected vehicles by uh, deploying edge compute capabilities um, either at a base station or even, um, you know, within a other other locations in a metropolitan area. So it could be um, in a, you know, some form of roadside unit or on a, a lamppost or, um, you know, uh, or, or, you know, on the side of a building. Um, and by providing that increase in, in compute, we provide lower latency services for a vehicle to be able to access the network, access other devices, access other vehicles. And and with that, with that improvement in latency and access to information, we're able to do things like um, improve the accuracy of, of GPS systems by over 10 times. We're able to um, improve the accuracy and thoroughness of navigation systems, um, you know, something that everyone's concerned about, improving driver safety, you know, being able to augment what the, uh, you know, what human drivers um, can, uh, you know, are, are able to achieve by augmenting them with additional um, technology um, and, and also also, you know, improving, um, you know, things like traffic violations and and um, other other types of um, improvements that benefit the driver as well as benefit the overall community. Um, and so it's it's really great to see these blueprints because what it does is it pre it creates an opportunity for us to accelerate development, um, but also provide a reference for um, developers to innovate additional use cases beyond that. So the community approach is super important. 
That's fantastic. Now, you've been working in the networking arena for a really long time, and you've seen the progress that we've made um, with the industry and building an ecosystem for virtualized network delivery and all of the innovations that you've been talking about today. Um, When you look forward in 2020, you know, obviously, we've just laid down a a new foundation for 5G network infrastructure. What are you most excited about and working on? And what do you think should be the focus in the industry in terms of continued innovation to fulfill this greater promise? Um, that, that's a very aspirational question, but I love it. Um, you know, if, if you look back 10 years ago, um, as we, you know, kind of started on the significant inflection point in this journey of network transformation, um, it really was the, the inflection of the mobile revolution, um, you know, where smartphones were becoming much more prevalent in our daily lives. And, you know, so many of the things that have become pervasive in the services that we use today didn't even exist a decade ago. We really couldn't have even fathomed that they would have existed. And so now as we stand kind of on the precipice of 5G and the advent of edge computing, really what what I feel responsible for and, and what I know our team here at Intel feels responsible for is really creating that next platform for innovation to be able to I- employ um, developers and empower them with the capabilities to create that next generation of use cases that even today, standing in 2020 at the beginning of a new decade, um, that, that we aren't even able to dream up yet. And so it'll be, you know, when we when we look 10 years down the line back at, you know, what was happening as 5G just kicked off, I, I, I'm sure that we'll be um, sitting here with a, a similar sense of awe at the the pace of innovation that was enabled um, by by this capability that we're building out through the infrastructure. So it's it's a great place to be. It's a great thing to participate in. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and we need to get you back on Chip Chat much sooner than six years from now. Uh, One final question for you. Um, Where can folks find out more about the technologies you talked about today and connect with you? Oh, absolutely. So a couple different places. Uh, go go check out Network Builders. As you mentioned, uh, you know, we can't do this without communities and without an ecosystem. So Network Builders is really that, that ecosystem that uh, we've built up for network transformation. That's at networkbuilders.intel.com. I mentioned a bit about openness. Um, and you can you can reach that very simply at openness.org and, and get access to the code and documentation there. And you can certainly reach out to me on Twitter. And, and my handle there is uh, Jenny, J-E-N-I underscore P. So look forward to talking to everyone in the audience. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm delighted to have Howard Wu, Vice President of and Global Head of Networks and GM for U- the U.S. market at QCT. Welcome to the program, Howard. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. So, Howard, why don't we just start with an introduction of QCT and your growing engagement in the networking arena? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, QCT belongs to the parent company of Quanta. And Quanta, as you know, has been uh, uh, a a big technology partner as well as uh, 
an Intel partner for over three decades. Uh, Quanta really started in the laptop business on the ODM side. And over the past decade or so, we started venturing uh, into the cloud service provider market. And by going into that market, we've enjoyed tremendous success. And of course, QCT was established for that reason. And taking a lot of our learnings of how to build a globally distributed infrastructure um, with a lot of our customers and partners and those cloud service providers, uh, we then, about two years ago, uh, Rakuten approached us with uh, Tariq, of, of course, heading the, the effort there, and they wanted to build the world's first cloud-native 5G network. And so QCT was uh, identified, rightfully so, as a strategic partner, and today we've, uh, we are helping um, Rakuten launch that program, and it's been a joy to be, be part of the project uh, together with Intel and Rocketon in launching this cloud-native 5G network. Now, QCT, of course, has a great history of work in the, in the cloud uh, service provider arena and has a great history of collaboration with Intel. What, as you look at um, telecom, what are the unique attributes of telecom infrastructure and different um, expectations associated with this infrastructure that need to be brought to bear uh, to deliver infrastructure for a, a company like Rakuten? I think when you take a look at the web IT guys versus a telecom customer, I think one of the first things you're going you're gonna to realize is while most of the web IT companies, um, you know, the focus is on the application side, and the requirements for hardware uh, is very different when you talk to a service provider. So any telecom service provider, because I think they're used to a, if you talk to traditional telco vendors, it's still a very monolithic uh, engineering effort. You know, everything from bottom soup to nuts, uh, from bottom to the ground up. Uh, and so the requirements in terms of reliability and their views of hardware and how software engages with hardware uh, on the telecom side is a very different tradition than the web IT guys that we're used to engage with. So I think even from an engagement model, just getting these two groups in the same room and speaking the same language, uh, those are those are really the telecom transformation journey I think the industry has been talking about for almost a decade now. Because I remember when we were doing cloud about you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, telecom sector also took notice and started wondering what they can do to uh, cloudify their infrastructure. And I think while the IT guys you know, essentially built a very centralized system around the data center and its use cases, when you go out into the network, into the field, the network guys really need a distributed infrastructure, right? So what the service providers have is real estate with radio base stations and with different environmental requirements, whether it's NEBS compliant or others, different power requirements, whether it's AC or DC out in the field. And so to deploy compute in those remote edge uh, I think that's a completely different CapEx investment level. It's a different OpEx conversation. 
and it is a different engineering effort. And it does take somebody like a QCT where over the last decade we have learned what it takes to build a cloud hardware uh, platform group, and then from that, how does that how does that translate into the telecom service provider? Uh, given our DNA is from this side, it gives us a completely different view than the traditional telecom vendors. Makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, underpinning all of that is great collaboration between QCT and Intel in delivering the infrastructure foundation for these solutions. Tell me about the collaboration there and how that relates to the solutions that you're driving into marketplace. So if you take a look at our company engagement with Intel, we've been there. The company Quanta was founded in 88, and Intel has always been a key partner to us. And I would say that the number one sort of uh, mission or goal that we share between Intel and Quanta is we do share a how do we democratize compute everywhere culture, right? So when we started, we were moving from a mobile, I mean, from a desktop unit into a mobile laptop environment. And that allowed all of us to start taking our compute units around with us. And when we started in the cloud effort, it was then, okay, how do we put compute into the network? And that only happened when Intel decided to put your virtualization extension, your VTX, into your chipset. And that really revolutionized and kick-started the you know, cloud effort uh, in the industry and in, in, in the world. So we've always been very close to what Intel is pushing into the edge and then how we can utilize that into and incorporate that into our product and ultimately helping our customers and partners to be successful. So I think, you know, it's like I said, it's been over three decades of close partnership between Quanta and Intel, and today that tradition continues as we move into the telecom uh, infrastructure network together um, in how we democratize compute further out. Now, obviously, even, you know, at this time when we should be talking, Howard, in Barcelona at Marble World Congress, but we're still seeing tremendous announcements around work innovation online, uh, and we're talking about them today. We've got a great collaboration today to announce in the delivery of a new Intel Select solution for NFEI forwarding platform. Tell me about why that was an important configuration for Quanta to deliver and how that manifested in terms of uh, publication of a reference design and, and delivery of infrastructure. Certainly working with the Intel Select Solutions on the NFBI, this, this really, in, in, in a way, enables the, you know, uh, QCT is by nature open. And we embrace this kind of decoupling between all the software layers and hardware layers and really, how do we give the service providers more agility as they roll out their NFVs uh, going forward uh, so that they can have more flexibility in their infrastructure, uh, not just from a pricing perspective, but also from a uh, TCO perspective as well as a user side. And, and when you look at a solution like this, um, and, you know, there's that couples with a number of solutions that we've worked on together. 
How does that address the various network environments that a company like Rakuten could be using to deploy an end-to-end network? And um, how are customers responding to these configurations and markets? I think customers are responding tremendously well uh, to these type of efforts in the market. Um, If not for the reason of the telecom industry has long been very limited to uh, options and sort of the traditional telco vendor selections. So I think any efforts into providing more flexibility is generally welcomed by the industry as a whole. And furthermore, I think one of the key attributes that the industry is gearing towards is how do they provide a globally distributed infrastructure that is very data-centric, that is very application-performant, and that needs to satisfy the customer's uh, or the end-user's demand, whether it's video, gaming, or AR, VR, other applications, I think when, when the service providers realize they're no longer providing a fixed-line service, but it's a slew of, uh, of data and the applications that, you know, sort of evolves around the use of this data pipeline, uh, they realize the challenge is there. And so when we teamed up with Rakuten, and like I said, Rakuten, you know, was doing a greenfield 5G rollout, and for companies that are looking at those type of opportunities, you get those opportunities probably once in a lifetime because the second you have that network set up, now you're talking a legacy system. So when we started engaging with Rakuten, it was really about let's reimagine how we could do this together, right? And and the conversations with Tariq has been, you know, um, how do we how do we use a cloud native network? Um, and have 5G on top and deliver, and how do we reduce, how do, how do we manage like you would in a typical cloud service provider sitting in a data center where your human to machine, your system in to server ratio can hit a certain number in terms of efficiency and how we really use software to define this infrastructure. So I think those are the interesting things that we've been able to figure out along the way together with with Rakuten, but it's also an accumulation of all the knowledge that we've built up over the last decade delivering to the largest CSPs of today. One final question for you, Howard, before we go. It's been an awesome interview. Um, Where can folks find out more information about what QCT is delivering in this space and engage with the team? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, hit, up, hit us up on qct.io. That's our domain. That's our website. You can find all the relevant information from there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been great. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm so excited to have Christina Rodriguez, Vice President and General Manager of the Wireless Access Network Division at Intel, back in studio. Welcome to the program, Christina. How are you doing? Hi, Allison. 
thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure being here with you. So we were supposed to be talking in Barcelona at Mobile World Congress, but obviously that was not going to be the case this year. Um, instead, um, Intel came out with some very exciting news associated with our networking portfolio that I thought we should talk about on Chip Chat. Um, why don't you start with a background of the focus on the wireless access network division and how it fits in with our larger strategy for network infrastructure, and then talk a little bit about the news this week. Sure, of course, my 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 pleasure, and and yes, of course, we are all missing the uh, MWC MWC twenty, but but we'll talk about it about it here. So, Alison. Uh, um, as you know, Intel is advancing our vision of uh, of a fully connected, intelligent society with uh, network innovations from from cloud to edge to access, and um, and as the as, as the leading network silicon provider, we have an unmatched portfolio and a, a very rich ecosystem a support that that enables enables our customers to design, deliver, and deploy innovative solutions across the entire network. Um, but if you talk specifically about, uh, about the RAN, um, if you look, for example, at uh, reports coming from Say the Loro groups um, back in January. Uh, uh, back in January, in January uh, they f- they're forecasting nearly six millions of uh, new 5G based stations through 2024. Um, so we we believe this is the time to seize uh, that uh, growing opportunity in the radio access network. And we have been engaged with uh, with the industry to define a technology that is capable of scaling through all type of uh, run all type of uh, implementations and uh, and deployments so as you and as you mentioned we had uh, we had the uh, pretty good uh, news uh, uh, this uh, recently this uh, this week that we are all excited uh, about it yeah it's it's uh you know something that we've been talking about for a little over a year it's great to see this product hit the market and um start ramping with um, our customer base. Um, when you look at the opportunity in radio access networks and the, the transition of, of those networks to 5G-capable networks, um, how important is it um, that this was an uh, industry standard SOC and that it came as part of a portfolio of silicon capability from Intel? Yes. Um, uh, so, so let me tell you about the name of the the name of the product, and and uh, uh, and uh, continue uh, uh, answering your your question. So, we we launch the Intel Atom P fifty nine hundred, and um, let me tell you what it is about and how important this is. We have been collaborating with um, the world's five G leaders to design. This uh, for the first time, this uh, standard high volume silicon for the radio access network, and uh, and again we were very proud uh, this week to have launched uh, the 10 nanometer. It's a 10 nanometer uh, Intel Atom uh, P5900 uh, processor. We we designed this from the ground up 
for 5G wireless uh, base stations. This is the, 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 uh, this is, uh, the first time that we're bringing Intel architecture into this market, into this segment, into base station. Um, it's, it's delivering key requirements for for the 5, 5G base station of today, but also well into the into the future, is a highly efficient compute, ultra low latency, accelerated throughput, precise load balancing, all that integrated, uh, highly integrated into it into a uh, SOC that, as a result, has uh, outstanding performance per watt uh, uh, characteristics. Now, obviously, this is a great um, moment in terms of engaging the base station market, but the um, RAN is a a broader uh, focus for us as well. How do you look at radio access network technologies and the various types of deployment models, um, and how how does Intel create a silicon portfolio for that? Oh, that's a that's a fantastic uh, question, because when when we look at the the run of the future and and especially with five G coming up, we see a, a variety of uh, deployments that will be needed. Right, one one size doesn't fit doesn't fit all, and uh, and and in in, in comparison uh, to four G. Uh, you know, the, the, the 5G, this is a new thing with 5G that will require that uh, much more diverse set of uh, solution deployment. We're talking about uh, distributed versus centralized uh, versus cloud uh, versus fully integrated in, in one side, but also we'll see macro versus micro, various various uh, small cell capacities and form factors, and then if you look at the radio deployments, it's a broader range there too, different frequency bands, different bandwidth carriers, MIMO configurations. So all kinds of, uh, of, of different uh, possibilities uh, and, and, and architecture uh, choices there. And, uh, and, and you know, in, in one side, the operators are going to continue leverage existing investment and, uh, and the network that exists today has to support uh, the 4G and the 5G traffic uh, growth, and we'll have to enable all that and continue being uh, uh, providing those uh, very optimized uh, solutions. Um, and at the same time, together with all these, there is a, there is a, uh, a desire to bring uh, some of the innovation found in the in cloud deployments into into the ride, into the run, and this provides an opportunity to increase uh, increase the value of the run and had come cloud uh, software platform and have faster deployment of uh, new software and features and, 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 and enablement of new service offering and new revenue models. Um, so, so that's, and that's what we believe that Intel is uh, uniquely positioned to enable this run evolution with all these multiple type of deployments, uh, multiple architecture choices. And, and uh, we have a really broad array of solutions and, and uh, IP portfolio from our Xeon line, our Atom line, our SOCs, and, and of course, the, the Intel Atom P5900, uh, uh, a, 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 prime, a prime example of that, but also our custom ASICs and our FPGAs and structured ASICs and even our radio, um, uh, our radio IP. We, we, have it, we have it all, right? We have everything 
that uh, that is needed to put together uh, for our for our customers to use and and, and deploying the system to uh, have uh, to be successful and uh, unleash the full promise of five uh, of 5G. Now, obviously, we start our focus with silicon, but we also work on um, software stacks, um, all sorts of different innovation to help speed solution delivery within this space. Can you tell me how we're engaged in different ways with the industry? to drive different and unique innovations? Absolutely, yes. So, so if, uh, this is one of the things that, that, that another thing that, that we're doing that we're doing very well, in my opinion, it's not just the hardware components that we offer, but it's we, we Intel, we're investing heavily in, in software. It's, it's the, the complete uh, solution. I'm not talking not just about driver and operating system, I'm talking all the way up at the stack, right? We have, for example, um, we have uh, software and, and we, we collaborate with the entire ecosystem to have software at the different layers of that, of that uh, software stack from uh, packet processing, the, uh, open source uh, such as uh, DPDK, um, but also, for example, we have uh, transport uh, software that is uh, very optimized, uh, field proven, battle proven, right? That we that we offer, and uh, and then also, for example, we have also our FlexRAN uh, Intel software reference architecture, which is another way for communicate uh, communication service providers to. Um, accelerate the development if they use uh, a virtualized RAN, and we have uh, over 80 companies worldwide uh, licensing the FlexRAN solutions, um, and in general, right, all the way up to the stack, um, also application-specific or workload-specific um, software. We have a very rich, uh, um, uh, again, working with our partners and ecosystem and the entire industry, a very rich uh, offer of uh, software offering running in our uh, portfolio. When you look at the traction that we're getting in the industry, um, what do you see as key collaborations and and movement within um, our ecosystem and our customer base in terms of trying out some of these innovative solutions? So we we look we we um, we are delivering an unmatched portfolio of solutions, right? To, support a, a, a wide range of RAN options. And uh, we have a deeper relationship across the, the entire industry to collaborate, to innovate, to integrate on a variety of architectural ingredients uh, that goes from uh, custom, uh, uh, custom uh, uh, solution to uh, you know front hall gateways uh, to off the shelf server technology to cloud native OS platform to to software stacks as I was saying um, of course all kind of hardware components we are uh, truly providing the fastest and most effective path to design deliver and deploy 5G solutions for the entire network infrastructure from the core to the edge, to the access. That's fantastic. Christina, 
congratulations on the exciting news this week. It's fantastic to see. One final question for you. Where can folks get more information about these products and the solutions we're delivering with our ecosystem into the marketplace? You can, yeah, first of all, super exciting, uh, super exciting. It's, uh, uh, we've been working on this uh, for, for, for a while and we are, we are uh, very excited to be launching this and, and very confident in the success of the product and the success, especially of our customers. We have uh, many customers that are uh, you know the customers have responded very well, and uh, we have uh, we have uh, Nokia uh, along with other leading providers that have announced uh, previously, uh, such as Edison and CDE la- last year, that are going to deliver the solutions. So I'm super excited about about that, and then the all, all many many collaborations uh, in the you know with the, with the rest of uh, of the industry. Um, for more information, visit our webpage. Uh, visit all that we have uh, many resources, uh, many uh, a tremendous amount of information in our web page, and uh, I think that's that's the best way to to find uh, more information. And any any of us can uh, be happy to answer and uh, more more questions and to help in whatever way we can. Fantastic! Thanks so much for your time today, Christina. We hope to have you back soon. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm joined by Mike Moore, Edge Cloud Platform Product Sales at Nokia. Welcome to the program, Mike. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Mike, let's just first do an introduction of your role at Nokia and how it relates to Edge Cloud Solution Delivery. Okay. Well, today specifically, I'm focusing on Edge Cloud Platform Sales, and that is really a a mixture of the uh, hardware platform that Nokia has designed, and it's called OpenEdge. And this is a a platform that was really uh, really conceived as as we started to to disaggregate the data center and move processing closer to the edge, we realized that that you know off-the-shelf hardware just wasn't really fulfilling the needs at the edge in terms of, of space, uh, power consumption, or environmental constraints. And so we set about creating a platform that is designed to be deployed up to and including the up to the cell towers. And so my role is really to, you know, promote this, uh, this open edge ecosystem. It is currently part of the open compute project as well. Nokia donated the designs lock, stock and barrel to the open compute project. And we had the specification, uh, granted an accepted status at the, uh, at the uh, global summit last year in San Jose. The next global summit is coming up on March 4th and 5th, you know, next week in San Jose, where we plan on showing some additional contributions that we'll be making to this open edge ecosystem. And, you know, the, the goal of, of open compute is really to create a, an open hardware environment. And we've actually done that. We've managed to, uh, you know, basically uh, achieve buy-in from 
about eight different vendors that are creating this platform, both chassis and sled, you know, power supplies, battery backup units. So it's really, it's, it's no longer a one-stop shop for, for this platform. It's something that, that a, uh, you know, that a consumer has multiple options to, uh, you know, to purchase. Now, obviously, this Open Edge platform has a real opportunity to deliver new kinds of services at the Edge, and you've loaded it with different types of technology in terms of being able to um, deliver advanced analytics and AI ad insertion um, for um, enterprise business requirements. Tell me about where you're seeing interest from the end customer base and the types of services that they're looking to deliver uh, via this infrastructure. Okay. Well, OpenEdge is designed with a, uh, you know, with a, a fairly dense compute platform that also has some significant acceleration capabilities. We've seen a lot of interest in products, acceleration, accelerators like the uh, Intel N3000 FPGA card that is especially useful in, in virtual RAM deployments. Uh, different types of, of GPUs have also been used, but in particular, I think, you know, the, the subject of this talk is more around uh, uh, video analytics and, you know, in real-time ad insertion. And the key to that is, you know, when, when content delivery networks and, you know, over-the-top providers, when, they, when they're streaming to a consumer, they'll typically have uh, time markers that are inserted into the video stream that basically let the local broadcasters know when they can insert ads. But really, unfortunately, the, the local broadcasters don't really know the, the content associated with the, you know, with the streaming video. And so, you know, the ads that they select might not necessarily match the, you know, the actual, uh, you know, content that's being streamed. And so this uh, open edge paired with this, uh, this VCAC card or the visual cloud accelerator card, you know, uh, type analytics gives the ability for the, you know, the broadcaster at the edge to perform things like facial recognition, object recognition, emotion recognition, even, and that plays key into what kind of ads they might select for the, uh, you know, for the end user. And, you know, for, for instance, for spatial recognition, you know, if they select a particular or they see a particular actor, they could actually uh, play a movie trailer from an upcoming movie that also stars that actor. You know, if they see something like uh, pets, dogs, cats, rabbits, whatever it may be, then they might be able to target a you know a pet food ad or a or a or a local pet store, and you know and then for things like emotions you know if it, if you know if an actor is uh, you know happy you might uh, point them to a local comedy club if they're uh, you know if they're sad you know you might uh, you know point them toward uh, uh, I don't know something uh, you know some sort of festival that might you know try to cheer them up, and so it's it's definitely shown that, you know, being able to match ads to the, to the content that's being streamed can certainly increase revenue. You know, it creates a higher re uh, retention rate because you're associating the stream with the, 
you know, with the with the advertisement, and uh, you know, it creates an environment that is, uh, you know, that, that basically can increase revenue and create can increase the effectiveness of the ads that are uh, that are displayed. Now, the Open Edge platform with the Nokia Airframe obviously has been a technical collaboration and a very deep technical collaboration between Nokia and Intel, amongst other partners. Can you talk a little bit about how you work with Intel and uh, the technologies that you've integrated into this solution? Yes, absolutely. We we do have a very close working relationship with Intel. Uh, we have a, a go-to-market team that we work with to you know promote a Nokia Airframe data center products. You know that that come in rack mount, open rack, and open edge form factors, and Intel is a, uh, you know, has a very high percentage of, of components inside that, you know, inside those servers, uh, ranging from uh, SSDs, NVMEs, uh, Optane memory, and, you know, uh, NIC cards, and even including the, the new uh, Cascade Lake refresh, uh, which was, uh, I believe, just, uh, just released this week or just announced this week. That's correct. That is fantastic. And, you know, obviously with the, you know, the foundation of Xeon Scalable with, um, you know, additions of acceleration and the, and the Movidius um, VCACA card, um, that's offering a lot of flexibility to your customers in terms of the types of workloads that they want to run. What has the response been from customers on this? Okay. Yeah. So the early interest in terms of deployment is really uh, revolving around uh, virtualized RAN, and that is is certainly enabled with the Intel uh, N3000, also known as the Vista Creek card, which integrates a dual Fort Bill NICs and and an area uh, FPGA. Uh, this type of acceleration for for radio stack intensive processing is absolutely critical to provide the type of of processing density that's needed to, uh, you know, process a wireless, uh, you know, a wireless stream. And in addition to that, uh, you know, the, uh, I, we haven't actually started this uh, VCAC A card yet, but this to me is one of, it's really a compelling example of a, of an edge application that, shows the promise of generating real revenue for a customer. So while this demo was supposed to be shown at Mobile World Congress this year, we're going to continue to promote this with our, you know, with our customers to, you know, show them of a, you know, a key example of how edge acceleration is going to actually work to make them money. That's fantastic. Um, one final question for you, Mike. It's been great to learn more about the solution and how you're seeing traction in the market. Where can folks find out more about what Nokia is offering and engage with your team? Okay, so I, I think there are two good sources to go to for that. First is obviously going to www.nokia.com and searching on Airframe Open Edge. In addition to that, the Open Compute Project uh, opencomputeproject.org is a great source for uh, specifications and information about OpenEdge. 
you just need to uh, you know, just go down to the telco project, and underneath the telco project is an open edge sub project. And like I said, all the specifications are there, all the contributions uh, from our you know from our uh, partner companies, and uh, you know white papers, presentations, everything can be found there about open edge. Fantastic! Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a real pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure too. Thank you. 